From Luminary, this is Therapy versus the World. I'm your host, Joe Nucci. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and together, with the help of our very special guests, we are going to arm you with mental health knowledge that will help you tackle the emotionally difficult aspects of your lives. We will break down pop psychology terms and constructs like narcissism, trauma, self-esteem, relationships, and more. Hopefully, you will leave each episode understanding yourself and others a little bit better. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Some of you might be thinking, why should we talk about makeup on a mental health podcast? And it's because in therapy, patients all the time talk to me about how they feel about their bodies, how they feel about how they look, how they compare themselves with others. And I do not actually think it's a superficial topic at all. And my suspicion is that our guest is going to help us understand why makeup is worthy of a deeper dive, um, particularly as we launch this series, which is all about taking mental health topics and applying them to surprising different lenses like makeup. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking to Colby Smith. Colby Smith is a New York City-based celebrity makeup artist that got his start in Los Angeles 17 years ago. Smith's diverse range of makeup skills go from runways, editorial, beauty, and celebrities alike. Um, He's um, worked with people like Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish, Zara Larson, Tavlo, and Alanis Morissette. Um, welcome, Colby. I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me. This is super exciting. I'd love to know a little bit more before we really dive in. I'd like to give you an opportunity to talk about your history. How did you get into makeup? Um, what has that been like for you? Um, and just kind of give our guests who are unfamiliar with you a little snapshot of who you are. Yeah. So um, 17 years, almost 18 now, I needed a job out of college. So I went to the Mac store in LA and started doing makeup and realized I was pretty decent at drawing not only on paper, but on someone's face. And I um, moved to New York and started just hitting the streets and grinding and shooting and testing and all of those things that everyone like works for and assists and all this. And I stumbled on a little band called Icona Pop before they kind of blew up. And then their song just kind of went out of nowhere. And it just kind of launched me into this like full blown career within the beauty industry and then like kind of make um, music space. So with them, it just kind of translated into more and more. And now it's been 17 years of doing makeup and it's working. 
All right. That's very, very cool. So Iconopop was kind of like your big break. They were my ways. big break. And I was just with them uh, like two weeks ago. So they're still in, in the um, routine with me. And it's just, it's such a treat to work with someone for so long and like kind of get to start their career and start my career all at the same time. And then just continue like watching each other grow and supporting that. It's, it's, it's a little, it's kind of a, a little treat. So tell me a little bit more about how you, I was really struck by your comment about how you're good at drawing on paper and also on faces from maybe a philosophical perspective. How do you think about makeup and how do you think about kind of like beauty in terms of, um, a, a vocation? So I think I'm, I think the reason I am successful within my industry is it's, I do look at it as kind of art. I don't look at it as like, kind of stamping something on everyone. Like what I'm going to do on you is different. What I do on myself. And then what I would do on myself is completely different than what I would do on a different, um, like a, a musician or even an actor or like, you know, based on what, what time of day they're shooting something. Like if, you know, looking at it objectively, I think is kind of what's made me so successful. I think is what makes really great makeup artists or people that are doing art. It just happens to be on the face and we're not just following like what we see as like a trend on like TikTok, um, and like just putting that onto someone because everyone's wearing a cut crease doesn't mean that necessarily works for them or it's in the right style. So do like something that complements just them as a person, which I think is like kind of an art background more as a like a makeup artist background. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that we were having this conversation um, before the recording started, and one of the things that really struck me about the way you talked about it was you said that you like to use makeup to kind of like enhance people's individuality and their features in a way that is beautiful, but also kind of still honors them versus some people use makeup to maybe look like whatever beauty trend is in vogue. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, very, like very much that. And I'm so like, it's, it's a weird world because like, yes, you want to be trendy. Yes. You want like your career to flourish because sometimes the industry is moving slightly in different ways. But I find that like, just keep staying true to like, just making the person look like the best babe that they are is ends up being more successful than just because everyone's doing latte makeup right now. doesn't mean I have to do latte makeup on Alanis Morissette. Why don't I just make Alanis Morissette look like a hot Alanis Morissette? And then mm. sure enough, it translates like, wow, she looks so great. We haven't seen her in a while. Now she looks incredible. Things like that. Instead of trying to do like, you know, hot baby pink blush up to the eye, which is what everyone's doing right now. Instead of doing that because it's like what you think that everyone sees, why don't you do what you see in that person? And it really does actually in the long run look better. Definitely. Well, I'm really excited to have you on as my first guest because while becoming a content creator and now having a podcast, um, you know, for, for me, in some ways, it was kind of an accident. I became a therapist very intentionally and the media stuff mm -hmm. kind of fell into my lap in some ways. And I've had to learn a lot about the industry. And um, I have talked to other makeup artists. And one of the things they've said to me is, you know, oh, well, like, you know, sometimes the quality of the camera, it's actually going to be more high definition than, you know, even eyesight. And so some of these things might feel a little vain, but it's really, really an important part of the work in terms of the industry. And so I've been thinking a lot about about these topics of what some people might consider to be, you know, quote unquote, superficial. Um, but I actually don't know if that's totally fair. Um, and I, 
not just because of my um, experience in media, but my experience as a therapist, people come into therapy and they're talking about things like how they feel about themselves, how they look, comparing themselves to others, where whether it's um, you know their body shape or size or the quality of their skin or something like that. And I think that the fact that mental health has um, kind of taken social media and a lot of media by storm is kind of interesting because it's not the most superficial um, industry, and yet it is still being portrayed through the media, which is arguably the most superficial industry. And um, I guess I'm curious, as we get started, what do you think about that comparison? Because I find that there's actually a lot of psychology in very different ways on kind of both ends of it. Well, I mean, my profession is age, age old. So it's like, it's been around forever. And there's, I would say there's, there's so many like variants of that in the sense of, yes, there are the vain aspects of it. But then really, if you are doing TV and you're not having any makeup on, even powder, it, you look, it's jarring. It's too much because like you need, like if you do like Jimmy Fallon, for example, if you do that show, you notice that he's got, he looks a little tan and he's super, super, super powdery and matte. And it's because they're under these crazy lights. So if you don't make them tan, they look flat. You don't see the nose. You don't see the shape because the light kind of bleaches you down two layers of color. So they have a little bit more on. And then they're just under intense light that any speck of shine looks like it's like dripping, looks like they're wet on their face. So you have like a more intense powder for that because that's what's going to make them translate as a normal looking day-to-day person, but on camera. Mm. So there's the non-vein aspect of that. They're not doing it to look better. They're doing it to look completely, you know, normal that what we would see walking down the street. Interesting. So there's like, you know, that's, there's different forms of aspect of our business, but then obviously there is like, you know, the whole, contrast of like is like does it like you have pam anderson right now who's doing the no makeup thing that's her like big Mm. push is like no makeup i'm not in the male gaze so makeup isn't always just for the male gaze it isn't always just for you know to look like something you're not sometimes it's to make you look how you are but Mm. in the environment that we're in yeah could you tell our listeners who are unfamiliar what is the male gaze and how does it relate to makeup yeah, when they say the male gaze for when it comes to fashion and beauty and things like that, it's, you know, looking hot, looking desirable, looking, you know, attractive to the other sex. So that's the whole kind of dressing Pam Anderson, who is like the sex symbol of the 90s um, in a men's clothing, super baggy, not showing her breasts, not showing her stomach, not showing her curves and no makeup with the hair slicked back. So things that are completely opposite of what the traditional like male ideal of a woman would be so they're kind of pushing that forward and she i mean she started it on her own she wasn't advised by a creative director to be like let's flip it she was like i didn't want to wear makeup during fashion week and didn't wear makeup and everyone like made a huge um thing about it but it's it's kind of refreshing in the sense that like it's what we talked about earlier it's doing what's best for that person it's not about what is going to sell you more or what is going to make you more money or any of those things. It's about what you're feeling in that moment. And if that's no makeup and it's just moisturizer, that's what it is. If it's just a little bit of a brow because yours are too faint and you might look funny with no shape on the face, then it's that. So there's different, you know, realms of that, but it's, it's exciting to see 
people kind of doing non-traditional things and it's getting support. I mean, it yeah. stinks for me because then I'm not getting hired to do makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you, uh, w- what are your personal opinions on that? Like moving towards no makeup, particularly as someone with a media presence or a sex symbol like Pam Anderson. And I'd love to hear specifically in terms of how it may relate to like the psychology or like the mental health of the average person. I mean, of the mental health of the average person, it's to be achievable is, I think, the biggest, like, I think the most successful uh, celebrity is the achievable, but yet unachievable, if that makes sense. Like, um, like Taylor Swift is a perfect example of that. She never wears anything that's just so, you could never style something like that. You could never mm. wear that. She doesn't do a crazy makeup that you could never do that without a professional. She doesn't do her hair that's like always so, like on all her shows, her hair's curly and letting her natural sweat take over because that's what real people look like. Yes, is she polished? And yes, is she still like, unachievable absolutely but she's so relatable on that in sense and i think that is healthy and i think that is a great direction that makeup and beauty and social media should be going towards um because i mean thinking you're always going to look like a photoshopped picture of kim kardashian is very not healthy to anyone's like mental life and um just internal like Mm. self-worth because no one really looks like that you know, like yeah. no one fully looks like that ever. So this kind of achievable, no makeup, makeup, kind of very natural, like letting your actual freckles show, little things like that kind of show through um, is what I love in the industry. And it's what the kind of makeup I've always done. And I think it's old school makeup. Um, we're not, the way I learned and the way we do makeup is not what you kind of see in the trend of like the hyper social media right now. Mm. Um so like I love that you know Pam Anderson, who's sex icon, smoky eye, skinny brow, baby pink lip with a dark brown lip liner, is like not the look anymore for her, mm-hmm. and she's letting her true freckles show and things like that. So I think it's like she's the bookend of what I think we should be working towards. Yeah, that's really really interesting that you said that your style of kind of enhancing people's more um, unique. Um, or personable features is the old way of doing makeup. You see social media is kind of pushing your industry towards making everyone kind of standardized or look the same. And just overdone and mm. like almost Photoshopped. They're ma- everyone's looking social media. Everyone's looking Instagram. Everyone's looking right. like, like the photo's already done. Yeah, I would love to walk around and look Photoshopped. In a photo, sure. But in person, like what do you look like? How much mm-hmm. makeup do you have on? Can we see it? Can we tell? Like, is your goal to walk into a room and everyone be like, oh my God, I love your foundation. Mm. Or do you want someone to say, oh, your skin looks gorgeous. But no one really says your skin looks gorgeous when you're covered in makeup because they know that that's not your skin. Right. So that like, that kind of world of like, where that's how we learned. We learned fashion makeup, which was like, you know, Diane Kendall was queen of, a little chapstick, a little chapstick, let her go. Cause she's a 16 mm-hmm. year old model. Like let their natural gorgeousness show through. Yes, we can perfect. Yes, we can put little things here, but it was never concealer, contour, never any of that. And I still don't do makeup like that. I place, I spend time on skin. I, I 
do points where you need it. If you have a little spot here or there, we fix those and keep the stuff that's breathable, breathable. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I think about the patients I work with or my colleagues and we're discussing clinical cases and we're discussing things like self-esteem, there's often that comparison game that kind of comes up. And what I hear you saying, which is that, you know, makeup is actually, people think it's about maybe making you look more social media, but it can actually, I'm thinking of your example earlier, someone's on TV, it can actually just be about making them look like themselves in a certain medium. And you can actually do it in a way that isn't vain or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think, I think it is tough to just kind of always see these things blasted so much into your face of like, this is what perfect is. This is what ideal is. This is what I want my eyes to look like. This, just that kind of like constant repetitive of seeing that um, slowly, I think in turn makes our brains click to be like, that's okay. That's normal. But it's, that's not real. Like that's Mm -hmm. as a makeup artist of people who do it, that's not what they look like. That's not even what yeah. they look like when I did the makeup. That's after they put the Paris filter on it. That's after yeah. they've done a little face tune. There's all there's so many things that you don't see that it makes it you know harder for people that aren't in the industry to kind of accept what reality is and like mm. what real aging is and what um, you know like like what a person should look like and what's acceptable to look like. Like yeah. it's okay. Like I, it's, it just, it blows my mind every time someone just wants their freckles covered. I'm like, why? They're so beautiful and you have gorgeous skin. Why would you put more stuff on it to cover that? Like, why is that your insecurity? Because mm-hmm. you don't see like, you know, Haley Bieber showing her freckles all the time. Like, is that what makes you like insecure about your freckles? It's kind of like a, a bummer for me as someone who works objectively in beauty to not be able to embrace what I find so beautiful about a person, which they see as their flaw. Mm. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, let's dive into that a little bit. So someone could be listening to this and they could say, I hear you and I get it, but at the end of the day, I'm on dating apps or I'm trying to build a following on social media and this is what's popular. And so, yeah, like while that sounds nice, Colby, like I'm going to do what is going to quote unquote work. Um, What might you say to someone that's kind of coming at it from that mindset? Um, So my like biggest quote that I say is it's your face at the end of the day. So if this is what you feel comfortable in and this is what you want, I'm down. Cause like for me, the check cashes either way, I'm getting paid for the job, but I want you to look like you. Mm. Like if you wear black eyeliner all around the eye every single day, you would feel completely naked without it. That's fine. That's what we're going to do. If you feel comfortable covering your freckles, that's what we're going to do because there's nothing worse. And there's nothing worse. I think in my industry, my profession to do someone and not make them feel better than when they came in Mm -hmm. when it comes to confidence wise. So that's my ultimate goal. Always. I'm usually the last person a musician sees before they go out and do their concert. So like for them to not feel a hundred percent or have to think about their skin or anything like that, then I didn't do my job and I should be fired. Mm. The reason I'm there is that they don't have to think about how they look, but if what they're insecure about is freckles for instance, then let's cover them. Do I think they need to? No. And I would love to have like the whole mental, you know, stigma takeover so that they would actually embrace that. Um, but that's not, that's, that's your job. That's not my job. I can only deliver what, you know, my opinion on things, but in, in a respectful way and like in a way that, you know, makes them feel them. Yeah. So one way where this comes up a lot um, in treatment with people is um, less around makeup, more around something like body image. And one of the things I say to them is because they will come at me with a similar um, curiosity or criticism that I gave you, which is, yeah, like, yes, body positivity, like, yes, embracing myself for where I am right now. And, you know, the people with that kind of idealized body is going to get more attention or, you know, the person that looks like that. And I want that attention or I want to, you know, have a shot like on dating apps or whatever it is. And I find that that's very that can be very difficult to argue with when with someone's one-on-one because it's like, yes, there are idealized beauty standards. And so the way I sometimes work with them therapeutically, and I think that you can do this just either internally with yourself um, or with your therapist or with a friend is think less about like, oh, like, you know, actually circumvent the argument of is this beauty standard fair or not? And more think about like, well, how often am I thinking about this? How often mm-hmm. am I fixated like on my body or my freckle? You know, is it taking, is it making me more present? Is it making me more satisfied? Can I think about it a little bit less and still get the same results? And so that's something that you do in terms of kind of body image and self-esteem work is you don't actually think about the content of the thought. You think about the process of the thought, you know, how repetitive are these thoughts? How intense are they? How intrusive are they? Are they actually leading to problematic behaviors or is this what we call like normative self-consciousness? In the former, there actually may be a mental health concern to dive into, but then Mm -hmm. in the latter, it may actually be, um, you know, something to kind of normalize and that 
everybody feels. I imagine that, you know, you've even worked with people who are, you know, um, icons in their own right, and they're still self-conscious about certain things. It's something that everybody goes through. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because it's, I've had clients that are like, I don't look good with brighter under my eyes because they've had Mm -hmm. their makeup done a million times. So you do a little bit deeper of a concealer and sure enough, they look great. So there are little, Mm -hmm. you know, things that people can alter, but it makes them look like them, which we spoke about earlier. Um, But I think completely, you know, transforming what you have to like kind of portray an image of something else is it's, it's a bummer because there's so much uniqueness to people within their face, within their bodies, within their shape, within their personalities that Mm. they're like, if you're on the dating apps, there is something out. There's always a match to something. There's a community within every realm. Um, you know, like you have your style of the way you, um, work and your style, but you're not copying someone else's style. And that's what I think is successful and why your branding is is successful and your social media has grown so quickly is because we're relating to you because it's you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to like beauty and beauty standards, like it's a bummer when you're just like, like just let you come out. Like you don't have to do all this. Like you don't need all of this, like, you know, mumbo jumbo sometimes yeah, it's fun to do here and there, but it's, it's not necessarily like, I think a requirement. And that's what I love when I get to work with clients that want to just look like a better polished version of themselves. Cause I think it's just when everything, when all the, the Legos climb together, it all like matches up when everyone is kind of on that board of just like making them look like the best them rather than making them into something else. Yeah. What it brings up for me is this idea of, um, well, two ideas, one of authenticity, Um, which is actually an existential therapy idea. Like what does it mean to be authentic, to be genuine in what you purport yourself to be? But then it also brings this up, this idea for me of congruency. So Carl Rogers is kind of one of the fathers of psychotherapy. He founded something called person-centered therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, his belief was that what is wrong with someone mentally is because they've developed something called conditional positive regard. So this could be from childhood, it could be from peer relationships, it could be from, you know, feeling like you need to um, make more money or have higher status or whatever it is. But the point is, is it's, it's about this internal mechanism in which, well, I only get the things I want, attention, love, respect, friendship, if I am a certain way that I'm not. But I'm going to be that way to get those things because those mm. things obviously mm-hmm. really matter. Um, and so as we think about, you know, just makeup and beauty and image and all these things and connect it to the mental health. I'm starting to think a lot about like, I like how you're framing makeup in the way it's like, it's this neutral tool, you know, that can actually help you feel like yourself, be yourself, show up in a more positive way, um, in a more adaptive way, in a way that creates harmony with others instead of conflict within yourself. Yeah. It's a, I like that the that it's like an amplifier rather than a mask. Mm-hmm. So like you're amplifying what you have rather than complete covering what you want to hide. And I think wearing that mask, whether it is like with body, you know, if you're addicted to the gym because you're like, oh, I'll people will like me more if I have a better body. Like mm-hmm. hmm, that doesn't kind of change who you are though. It just changes what you look like on the outside. So like mm-hmm. letting that like kind of inner you be supported by, you know, 
fundamental tools that you can use without having to completely mask you, I think is is like a goal for everyone. <laughs> Before we kind of transition into our um, next um, section here, I was really curious to get your opinions about um, men and makeup. Um, I feel like it's, you know, obviously it's a stereotypically like women thing. Um, but I also think that in the world of social media, in the world of face filters, I'm curious if you feel like that's changing. Um, one thing that I've I was reflecting on recently is that I do remember the early days of Facebook when it was like you would put up the embarrassing photos from the party where you have like the double chin or like whatever it is. And those were the things that got the most likes. And I'm yeah. not totally sure when it shifted, but now it's like, I would never not edit something on my personal page. I don't like edit or use a filter in my professional content, but it's just because everyone else is. And so if you're not using one of those face filter apps, it's kind of like, um, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not playing the game, if mm. you will. And so in terms of men, and like male beauty, I'm wondering if you've, if you've noticed a trend or if it's been the same over your career. No, I, I actually did a, um, a interview with a, um, good like beauty publicist of mine about men's beauty and like the, the scope of it and how it has completely changed. So, um, I, I'm, it's about time that beauty brands have realized that there are men that wear makeup. And whether they're straight men to, you know, gay men to non-binary to that, it's all over the map. But I would say, you know, mostly in like our queer world, it kind of like is a, a regular occurrence. Um, and I remember back in the day, there was one brand, Jean-Paul Gaultier was the only brand that did like a men's bronzer. It was specifically targeted to men, for men. And we ate that up because it was like, I don't know why we didn't just go for something half the price in the women's department, but we we're like, oh, this is for men. But now we're seeing within the beauty world that men are in campaigns. So when you look at, I would say the top 10 like brands in Sephora, if you look at their skin care or their skin um, complexion products, they'll show like one person in each color. There's at least one or two boys in almost every single brand now as mm -hmm. one of the color matches which I would say 10 years ago, you wouldn't have ever seen. Mac was doing it years and years before that, putting men in eyeliner, but they were always like a secondary feature within the Mac campaign rather than like a main feature. Um, and now I've been working with Elf Cosmetics for almost two years doing all of their campaigns. And we fully have boys like on set, like mm. girl gets a look, boy gets a look, girl gets a look and they get their own full look. Do I do something as feminine makeup wise? No. Do I do something kind of cooler and edgier? Yes. Cause I feel like it kind of leans into like their personality and things like that. But I think men in makeup is, it's an, a normalcy now. It's not weird to see a guy with some makeup on. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm even thinking, um, back to my adolescence, if I had like a zit or something and it was completely normal to just cover it up because you're going to the school dance and you're going to get your photo taken or whatever it is. And it wasn't seen as, as vain and it wasn't necessarily seen as insecure. It was almost, there was like a practical utility to it. But like you still would be like, mom, I need your concealer. And it was like, try to be right. as macho about it as possible. <laughs> Correct. And like when the girls are wearing it all the time to make their skin look good, like, why can't we? So mm. it would there, I think there was that kind of stigma behind it about being like gay, if you're wearing makeup or being like too feminine. But now I think 
just th- that same thing we talked about earlier, just the repetitive viewing of it and seeing yeah. it makes it normal, normalizes it and makes it like not a strange thing anymore. So I think just the more we see men in makeup, the more we see men in campaigns, the more we see products for men, like specific concealers and skincare for men, brows for men, I think it normalizes it. And I think it kind of gets rid of that stigma behind it. And I I think the world will benefit from it. Like, you think I don't have any makeup on right now? No, you're crazy. Of course I do. So, you know, like just to make your skin look a little polished, to make you look a little bit more even, like what there's sue me you know there's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. that and i think the normalcy of seeing it now and i think the big burst has been like in the past five years i think you've really started utilizing that the i guess the beauty companies are finally realizing like hey why are we tapping out on this huge market of beauty within men like there's money to Mm -hmm. be made there and i think they're kind of recognizing that and using that and i think it's it's healthy that men can start embracing making themselves prettier and because prettier doesn't necessarily mean less macho, less masculine. It just makes you look better, like more polished, like cleaner. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So I'd like to uh, continue this conversation about just, you know, um, self-esteem, beauty, media, culture, mental health, um, and actually get out of our heads a little bit and kind of just drop down into our hearts and our bodies and just kind of think about how we can take some of this knowledge that we're talking about today and what we can do, what we would do with it personally in order to empower us to prioritize our own mental health. And as you were talking, a couple of different stories came up for me and I'll briefly share each of them. Uh, The first is that when I was younger, um, I was always very, very self-conscious of like my baby face. 
Um, I thought it made me look younger. I thought in pictures it made me look, you know, more quote unquote fat and not kind of like the like masculine ideal of like the kind of the angular and like the jaw and the cheekbones, even though I do have a jaw and cheekbones, you know, it just didn't necessarily fit like how it's portrayed um, commercially. And when I started influencing and started talking to brands and sponsors and things, I remember speaking to a strategist and saying that, you know, I didn't actually feel like I had like the look to actually like sponsor something in kind of that commercial way. And their immediate reply to me was actually you get enough eyes on you and you get enough of that repetition that you were talking about and you can actually make your look, whatever you think your flaw is, like your cheeks or whatever it is, like you could actually make that desirable. And it was just such a great reminder of like of the top down effect of media and how even though we kind of feel that these insecurities we may have about little features are ours, they don't always belong to us, you know? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like you were you hated your baby face, I leaned into it. Being five foot five, I loved looking like a baby. It's like, keep (laughs) me as young and supple as possible because I know it's not going to be there forever. So like, that's something like (laughs) I leaned into. But I hated how little I was. You know, like it was something like, it's so tough being five foot five in like a male seeking male world. It's, It's just those kinds of things. Like, but then your people are like, what are you talking about? And you're like, but, you know, like you see things completely different than the world around you does. Um, so yeah, it's like, I might not be the ideal standard of, you know, six foot tall, 32 inch waist, 30, you know, four inch inseam, but there's like still a, there's a place for me within the world. Mm. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I don't mind it being as short as I am. It helps with my career. It's like less bending down and (laughs) and more on an eye level when someone's sitting. So that, you know, you have to lean into your own niche and it's, it's, it's hard, especially working in beauty to like kind of really embracing like what your niche is or, you know, you know, appreciating it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tell me a little bit about how your, um, like what, what did that process look like for you? Um, you mentioned kind of like maybe before not loving how tall you were or whatever it is. And now you kind of embrace it. You embrace the niche. Um, how did, how did you manage that? Because I think it sounds like a great idea, um, but that people listening will be like, yeah, but how did you get from A to B? Um, I just think with age and just exhaustion of like trying to like, you know, fit. I mean, I, when I'm in a a group of people that are six foot tall talking, I do lean up so I can hear, but like, that's like, that was like a physical thing that I overcame. But then like when it came to like deep down and like maybe being insecure about being short, I still deal with it. Um, it's Mm -hmm. not something that you kind of fully get over. Um, you can't just completely eliminate all insecurities you ever had your whole life. But like, I don't know, I kind of just appreciate being the little like sprightly character that I, I get to be like, it leans into my personality. I'm not like a, a tall drab monotone kind of dude. So I'm a little more energetic and a little chaotic. So it kind of fits in that sprite, like smaller compact kind of world. Um, and it's just, I think just learning to love yourself, um, Mm -hmm. which is the hardest thing to do. I think of anything in the entire world. Um, and just kind of, going along with it and just realizing that like, that's, that doesn't matter in the scheme of things is your height. Like, you know, if someone doesn't appreciate you for your height, there will be someone that does. 
Yeah, for me, it brings up this idea of, you know, the the attention or the love or the relationship or whatever it is that you're seeking. It's like, for the sake of what? You know? Yeah. Well, is like it a- if, if they don't, if they don't appreciate that, like, then why are you wasting your energy on that? Like you're, it's mm-hmm. like, that's not the match. That's not the, that's not the world. That's not where you need to go. Yeah. I think there's also something that happens a lot. Um, with internet culture, with social media, with dating apps, um, it's it's almost feels a little high school. Because I feel like in high school, it was like, you know, the guys, you know, wanted to date the girls that they thought everyone else thought was hot. But it, there was never this question of like, but am I attracted to this person? Um, I, I recently was, uh, I was recently talking to somebody about how people, I think, f- forget that attraction is like, the five senses plus one. So it's like, yes, how someone looks is important. Um, but then it's also like, how do they smell? How do they sound? How do they taste? Like, is the kiss good or is, is it, is it not yeah. good? Um, how do they feel like when you, when you, when you touch them, um, a lot of this is biological. A lot of it is chemical. Um, and then there's, that doesn't even include like their values, their personality or like the other things or- that make all those senses come together. Or even like social influence of like what other people think. So I, I, that's so funny you kind of mentioned that because if you ever go through like someone else's high school yearbook, like if you went to like the, you, like the person that went to the other school and you're like, oh, he's hot. And they'd be like, ew, no, not Brad. And you're like, but yeah. Brad is hot. Brad <laughs> isn't hot because you know Brad. Mm-hmm. One of those senses yeah. is probably off with Brad. But like mm. objectively, if you're just looking at a picture, you're like, oh, right. they're hot. But you don't know their personality. You don't know, you know, anything else about them. But it's like kind of that, like the world, he's not hot in that high school, but in mm. like my own world, like I don't know him at all. So it's kind of funny yeah. you say that because I always think about that when you used to be like, oh, he's like the hottest one in your school. And like, ah, oh, he's a nerd. And you're like, well, I, <laughs> I don't know him. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's, um, for me, it brings up, there's kind of like these like three dimensions um, of attractiveness. One is kind of like, are you like attractive, like a 2D? Like, do you have like maybe what they call a model look? You know, you just take like a really good photo. Not all features translate to 2D very well versus Mm -hmm. there's kind of like the... Next level would be, it's like, well, do you have like dynamic attractiveness? It's like you're attractive in like how you move and how you speak or how you come across on camera, right? Is completely different from how well you take a photo and they may overlap, but they may not. And then these two mediums are completely different from whether or not you meet someone in person. I'm thinking of, you know, they say never meet your heroes and I'm thinking of um, celebrities or someone famous who I've met and you meet them and they're just like, oh, like I pictured you different. It's not even like that they're not good looking. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm, the energy yeah. is completely different in person. But I mean, that's like if you're 2D and 3D, like you're you're famous or a model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if you can totally. do both paper and video, you're, you're, you're onto something good there. <laughs> but it is funny because like we get it I we, I do it all the time where you'll book a model and I'm like do their makeup and then they take their photo and you're like what who's that like they're just so different there's a there's mm. a, a model we use for this beauty campaign all the time and she is just you would not know she's a model from a mile away she's so calm quiet reads a book in the corner and then just gets on set when the camera goes on her completely transforms and is like we've used her for campaign after campaign after campaign because she's just such a delight she's so Mm. good on camera you just like want you want to hug her on the camera you're like i want 
I want the skincare that you're laughing at right now. Like it looks Mm. so good, but in person, it's like, they don't have that personality at all. They're not like walking around like, you know, but it's, it's kind of crazy how things can translate in different mediums. Yeah. I wanted to go back to two things that you said earlier. The first was, um, one of the ways on your path to self-love um, was something around like um, time and just like getting older. Um, you know, I mentioned my my baby face earlier and when I was younger, I didn't really like it. And now that I'm older, you know, and I have a few gray hairs or whatever, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to be looking young for like, it's just like, it's just interesting, like how it's shifted and how much like I embrace it now. Kind of like you said when, oh, well, I used to not like my height and now there's actually times where my height is super convenient, particularly at my job when I'm on my feet all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's sometimes kind of those unexpected surprises and perspective can change a lot. Yeah, I think that's just like a maturity thing as well. You kind of realize what's important in life as the older you get. And it sounds so cliche and like, so like, oh, what your parents say, but it's true. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, you start to realize like, this isn't important, like, shut up. Like, this is so stupid. Like you, like you watch like housewives, for example, and you just like, they're all just like, I'm like, you're still talking about this. Like who cares? They're so, this doesn't matter. So like your height, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, I do. I, I get rosacea all through here. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? Like that, like what? That doesn't mean anything. No, one's not going to be my friend because I get red and bumpy right here. Or that I'm mm-hmm. short. No one's not going to be my friend. They're not going to be my friend because I have a shitty attitude, a bad personality. I complain about everything. I'm depressed. I'm rude. I'm mean. Those things can be like, those are what matters. And when it comes mm-hmm. to like building friendships and things like that, not about how tall you are, not about your skin issues. If you like keep hounding over the same thing at the same dinner table, like that's annoying. I don't want to be your friend. Like yeah. no time for that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't want to, What's the, who said, I don't want to be anywhere. I'm not enjoying myself ever. That celebrity <laughs> just know. had the quote. That big, <laughs> but that's deliciously it was like a big celebrity that was like, I don't want to be anywhere. Oh, I think it was like Kim Cattrall who was like, I don't okay. want to be anywhere. I'm not enjoying myself ever. And you're like, you're right. Like at this age, it's like those little things that I, I cared so much about that I was mm. so insecure about, um, in my like early twenties. Whereas now you look back at it, back at it and you're like, uh, I'm insecure about having to like, stay skinny after eating a pizza. And back then I didn't have that issue. I was scared about my height. Mm. No. Metabolism <laughs> is what you should be worried about. <laughs> there, I think, it, yeah, just me, maturity. I think maturity is kind of what changes your perspective of what your like body image can be. Yeah. Let's break that down a little bit psychologically. So when we think about like maturity from the perspective of self-esteem, I think that one way I might define it, um, his name is totally escaping me. I'll try to remember it. But this psychologist I really adore um, has this take where he says something like, well, self-esteem actually doesn't exist. It's a made up word. What we're actually talking about is self-respect. And so mm-hmm. for an example, it's like, who do you respect more? The person who has all like kind of like the the commercially um, oriented um beauty features, um, who's super insecure and not very well-spoken and not very smart, or the person who doesn't look like that and is like super confident and super successful. And they've worked at it over a really long time. Um, who do you, who do you want to be a friend with? Who do you want to be friends with? Who do you want to go on a date with? Who is, you know, all factors considered the more attractive person, um, not just in terms of looks, but just in terms of energy and vibe. And I think that one way I might 
break down how you describe maturity is like over time you had to work on different things and, you know, um, approach someone, even though you were feeling insecure or uh, feel better about yourself one day, even though there was a part of yourself that you didn't like and little by little that actually stacks up. And because you worked at it, you can then respect yourself for at the very least trying, and that self-respect does start to bleed into what we call self-esteem. I'm not saying self-esteem doesn't exist, but I think that that deconstruction of it is actually really, really insightful. I think that's an incredible way to look at it because it's like self-esteem is, it's, is your confidence based on what, on what comparison. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's about self-respect. It's about loving the parts of you. So like it, I guess self-esteem is, is only self-respect in comparison to something else. Like, what are you comparing it to? Like, mm-hmm. why is my height not as good as this height? But like, yeah. that's like, that's would bring my self-esteem down. No, it means I'm not respecting myself enough to mm-hmm. appreciate that that doesn't matter. And I think yeah. just as time goes on and as age goes on, I think your different values are true because I think me at 18 would I have been like oh do I want the like stumpy boring or stumpy weird one that's got the best personality that like I laugh with probably not Mm. I'm gonna want the supermodel with 12 pack Mm. but now I'm like I could care less about your abs can you sit at a dinner table and if I get up can you handle all my friends can Mm. I bring you as a plus one to the billboard music awards can you handle yourself in a, a social situation that to me is the sexiest thing ever that to me is yeah. the best beauty is being like one within yourself and being able to handle all those situations where I don't have to take care of someone. Mm-hmm. And there yeah. are, are plenty of people that look incredible from hair to toes and cannot hold a room to save their life. And there is just, I mean, I'm sure you and I have been at the same, same outings where you're like, they are just a, a, a sack of hay. Like there is nothing behind those eyes. And that's just like, I don't want to be around that. I'd rather be around, you know, someone that may not be a beauty idealistic standard that has a personality and that like can actually carry a room and and, and enjoy and entertain me and stimulate my brain. Definitely, definitely. Um, As we're kind of getting towards the end here, I want to make sure we take some time to actually um, kind of recap some of the things that we've talked Mm -hmm. about and also kind of, you know, empower people to think about some of the things that we've talked about today in a way that will help them, um, help them on their mental health journey or help them support their loved ones who are on their mental health journey. And so I would say going down the list, the, the first thing I'm thinking about is this idea that, you know, whether it's a filter or a makeup or whatever it is, it's not it's not that it's vain or not vain or superficial or not superficial. It's actually just a tool, much like anything else. And it's all about how you use it. Is that a I think adequate that's, understanding? I think that's great. Yeah. It's a, a tool how you use it, but also realize like what you're using the tool for. Mm, like yeah, yeah. how are you using that tool? Is it to put a mask on or is it to amplify what's already there? Right. I think that's like the most important thing when it came to beauty for me and like makeup is like, Let's not make you into something completely different. Let's just enhance the the features and the things that you have. So use the tool to your advantage, not use the tool to completely change who you are because that's Mm. not who you are. Yeah. 
when when we phrase it as a tool, it makes me think of coping tools or coping skills. And from a psychotherapeutic perspective, when you learn about helping people build their toolboxes or their tool sets and mm. therapy, it's all about diversity. And so when you say it's like, well, what are you using the tool for? Let's say it's for a greater sense of self-respect or self-esteem. What else do you have? If it's just your looks or just your skin, um, Unfortunately, you know, you will get older, you know, nature will take its course. And what is that going to look like in 20, 30, 50 years? Um, are there other ways for you to get that self-respect and self-esteem, whether it's through um, friendship, making memories, career? Mm -hmm. um, the way I like to think of it is if you think of like um, legs of a table. So let's say this is the table and you have like legs here and here and here. If you only have one leg, your looks, you know, and it gets kicked out for whatever reason, you know, the whole table is going to collapse. Mm -hmm. But if you have, you know, looks, connections, um, you know, hobbies, you know, all these different things, if one of them isn't accessible to you at for a certain time period in your life for whatever reason, then that's okay. Um, you're going to be okay. The table isn't going to fall over. Yeah. I mean, that's, that analogy is fantastic. So just, you know, stack your table mm -hmm. so that, you know, you, you can yeah. be fully functional in all realms of the world. Like it's, that's, that's a, yeah. I love that. Yeah. The other thing that we talked a little bit about is um, when it comes to how you're using these tools, is it to be authentic? And it's not just about appearing authentic, but like, is the thing you're trying to get the attention, the relationship, whatever I might be, is that actually going to, is that actually what you want? Or is it what you think you want because that's what society says or that's what it looks like everyone's doing because of social media. Um, and so I think that's a really key distinction there too, to check in, not just internally, but also kind of externally. Is this the authentic thing? Are you being congruent? Yeah. I also, I loved your comment about um, maturity and just time, you know, and the distinction I threw in there was all around self-respect Right? And mm -hmm. one of the ways to get self-esteem is to respect yourself by the actions you take little by little over time. That is one feasible route to self-love, which can seem you know, kind of intangible, but I think that when you break it down behaviorally like that, it can be very, very empowering. Yeah, and I mean, like putting a little concealer on your rosacea can help get you there. Like if it's something subtle like that, that's totally. like, that, that gets your mind off of that one thing and lets you be able to take that capacity and that energy mm -hmm. and put it into something else. Cause you're not like insecure of a giant sit on your face. When someone comes and walks up at you, you can actually focus on what they're saying. Not if they're thinking mm -hmm. about what's on your face that it just, yeah. that can completely transform your entire day, your entire conversation, yeah. your entire, entire relationship with how you speak to people, mm -hmm. approach people, all of those things. So again, it's like back to using your tool. Yeah. So by sometimes fixing things on the outside in this example with makeup, you can actually change something on the inside emotionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's like it, the first thing people say is like, oh, sorry, I have a huge zit right here. I didn't even notice it. But you, you took that effort mm -hmm. to kind of do that. But if you didn't have to do that, there wouldn't be that whole conversation. I feel like you could get yeah. somewhere else within that um, interaction mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have had to waste your time doing something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, as we kind of approach the end here, is there anything else that um, you want to talk about or you want people to know, whether it's about this topic or about you? No, I think, I think just, it was, it's nice to kind of, you know, talk about it on more of a, 
a mental way rather than all the beauty interviews I normally give, which is like, mm. you know, all it's so on the surface, but I like that this is a little bit deeper in the connection of like why we use beauty and how beauty can be detrimental mm. or successful. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's a, this is like a really cool way to kind of break beauty down and like what it really means and what it can mean to people and what it, you know, can do mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. But yeah, I, I loved all the aspects you kind of took this and it was, it's, it was fresh for me as like someone who only speaks about beauty and a beauty aspect. I like that we got a little bit deeper within the brain. Yeah, most definitely. Um, well, we'll have to have you back at some point because there are so many other directions we can go yeah. in terms of just like the psychology of it. Um, but I really want to, you know, thank you for coming. Um, tell me, um, if people wanted to kind of reach out to you, whether it was for like an interview or if they're in New York and they want their makeup done, how can they get a hold of you? Just Instagram is great. Colby Makeup, C-O-L-B-Y Makeup on Instagram is great. I, I, answer, right. I love answering DMs if people have questions about products and things like that. I, I love answering things and doing, you know, I didn't have that resource when I was starting. So it's kind of <laughs> nice that um, the world can be connected through the internet and things like that. So yeah, Colby Makeup on Instagram right. is a great way. Definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll have to get together so you can do my um, makeup sometime. Yes. That would be a first for me. Absolutely. Um, most definitely. But if I'm going to be on camera more, it could be something <laughs> worth learning about, um, you know, vanity or not. And um, yes, and we're also going to, you know, post some clips of this on social. And so if you are watching this right now and you're on social, please comment questions you have and or any just any thoughts. And we will use that to inform a future conversation with Colby. If you liked this episode, please go and um, like and subscribe on YouTube. That's a very, very easy way um, to support us as we're just kind of getting our start here. Um, Like I said, this is an original luminary podcast, Therapy Versus the World, um, where we are going to arm you with knowledge to tackle all sorts of different emotional things the world and life might throw at you. Um, And so my name is Joseph Nucci, at Joe Nucci Therapy on socials, and we hope you enjoyed this conversation.